This evening's Dharma talk the title is uh, Ego Subsistence. The idea there is the self-centeredness and how does that, it's so unreal, how does it keep cranking along and making trouble? So it, it gets its subsistence from different sources. Some of them are very tiny and minute that are still, they still tend to propel us along little crumbs on the floor, so to speak. Like uh, when we say, um, I know something. Well, I know that. Well, I knew that. Or, or I, do you believe that? I don't believe that. Or, well, I, I believe that. Anytime you assert anything, and it's not necessarily to be to be corrected, as you've heard me say 1,500 times, is about observing that, observing that enough so that eventually, through observing that, you actually begin to see the connection between the production of, I, I know that, or I don't know that, or any kind of, begin to see the connection between that and that which is uh, feeding off from that, which is the self-centeredness or the imaginary um, self or the, the subjectivity that thinks there's somebody here and there's a bunch of stuff over there, simply put. The, the larger payroll check for that subsistence comes in the form of um, beliefs, strong, strong belief in some particular thing, ongoing part of your life. You believe, just believe this. Sometimes we'll hear people say, well, I've always believed that. We'll hear people say, well, that's the way I was taught. I mean, as if that, as if that means anything at all. I was taught that, so therefore I never question it. And the other one is uh, opinions, concepts, locking down on anything so you no longer have to give it a chance, have any openness to it, or give it the benefit of the doubt. See, is that, is that substantial there? How is that being supported? How does that come about? So in other words, investigate. This is what the idea of sitting meditation practice of uh, training the awareness to see deeply into something. Something arises in your mind stream, as you've heard me say many times, perhaps, listen much. Don't accept it. Don't reject it. Don't look away from it. So don't believe anything that arises. And also don't disbelieve it. And that's um, takes quite a bit of uh, perception, quite a bit of receiving what is being produced by the, that aspect of the consciousness that is kind of a knee jerk and kind of based on hope for better things and fear of worse things. So you can't get rid of those things. I'm not saying you couldn't put them on the back shelf for three weeks, three months, maybe for a long time. I'm not saying you can't change the dynamics so you don't have to look at that anymore. It's called uh, ignorance. There's all kinds of ignorance. There's a deliberate just ignorance. And then there's the distracting kind of ignorance that takes us into something else. And then there's uh, what's called in the traditions the ignorance born within, which is the basic, the basic situation of ignoring. It might take a while to even see that that's occurring. You might never see that. You might just have thought patterns about it and wonder what that is about. So it's not about changing that as a, so much as trying not to do that anymore. Don't believe, don't 
disbelieve, don't look away or distract yourself. As you've heard me say lots of times, when I say don't do that, I know you can't do that. But if I say don't do that, then your awareness will be drawn to, you kind of see the way in which you do that. And so that is kind of a, maybe a roundabout way of uh, getting you to actually look at the function of ego, which grasps, rejects, and shuts down. You go in there and try to just not do that, you see that that doesn't work. Now, there are techniques and practices that or that you can practice that will give you the illusion of control, give you the illusion that you're, uh, what do they say, master of your fate or whatever. Illusory. So it seems to be important to not only see the self-centeredness in ourself, possibly in others, the other-centeredness, however you want to say it, but it seems to be important to see the way that gets some subsistence, some kind of a payoff somewhere that keeps that going. And those, uh, those are very subtle. Any kind of dynamic, any kind of taking a position on anything, though it may be relatively correct, and that quite often is where the self-centered mind goes to stop any kind of inspection going on, stop any kind of awareness looking deeply into something. We'll even hear words come back, but we know that's true. Of course that's true. Well, everybody knows that. Knowing and not knowing seems to be a, a, is quite, quite an interesting area to look at what you know and what you don't know. And it's not that we don't know things or not that we don't aren't aware or don't know other things. It's just that we use that dynamic, the relative truth dynamic to build up some kind of identity that is a, a relatively, you'd say, even say temporarily dependable, because we could count on that. We know we have our reference points. Again, coming back to it's about awareness. It's not about getting rid of anything, getting being better, being smarter, being more insightful, being more enlightened. Though, if you work on training the mind, if you, in other words, seeing the way in which the mind is chaotic and untrained and is randomly pushing on this and pulling on that based on hope and fear, right and wrong, up and down, back and forth. If you just watch that movement without interfering with it, just watch it. Then, then you begin to see where it's getting its uh, subsistence from. How it's how it's actually managing to continue to ramble along, even though you get insight into this is this is unreal. I don't, I don't really know this is true. I don't really know something is true or false, or or doesn't particularly need our attention. We also get it from, from others, from relationship. Sometimes our, uh, what we call our friends, our homies, our people we hang with or do things with, or go skiing with, or whatever, play scrabble with. Whatever you may do, we find that, we, that there's an area there where we can be supported by other people who may see our difficulty or see our confusion, but because they like us, because they love us, they're not about to say anything about this. 
I'm sure you all know, I've noticed, when I say I'm sure, I'm not sure of anything. But it looks like, uh, based on my own experience, that we, we can kind of see how everybody's kind of screwed up. You notice that? Look around. Anybody you know, pick any person. Yeah, that one. Pick that one. Have you noticed how you think you know what's wrong with them? Have you noticed how you think you know what their basic issue is? But you're not quite sure what yours is, unless someone has told you that, and then you disagree with it. And, but you're continually going back and say, are they right about that? They really think that I'm this way or that way? Identity. It's a mis- it's, I, I, if, my, if, if identity were really real and were substantial and you could lean on it like a chair, this is real. This is identity. I am uh, a hip-hop artist. End of story. There are people who ha- actually use that identity, especially if they're famous or if they're infamous. It doesn't matter. But sometimes we tend to get our identity from others. We, it's not that we have to come right out and ask others, but we might. I have to ask you know, all the time, who am I? What am I doing? What do I do next? Should I wear this? Should I wear that? Is there any food? She didn't do everything. I got. I do a lot of stuff, don't I? <laughs> a lot of head nods. Five or six heads nodding. So again, I'll take it back to square one. It's not about getting rid of any of that dependent origination or any, any of the interdependence and so on. It's about being genuine. And it's about being very, very aware, aware of the way in which you are dependent on relative truth for the this whole body-mind complex. A human being, you have to have a job. You have to have some, uh, have some way of feeding yourself, uh, shelter, and so on. So there's some kind of relative thing going on that needs to be looked at closely, but not added on. Not adding on, not taking whatever's happening there and taking it off on some other kind of a philosophical binge about the world and about yourself and about what you should do and what you couldn't have put in, what you should have done, and you've missed your whole life. And if you've just done this differently, you have not made any mistakes. You should ask questions if you don't know what I'm talking about. You've not made any mistakes. You're exactly where you need to be. You're right here. One of the most important things that has ever happened to you, not because I'm such a sweetheart but because you're actually listening to someone who is endeavoring to talk to you about the nature of your mind. It is not separate from anything. You're not a separate being. It's just an incredibly, incredibly intense illusion, which we take where? Lifetime to lifetime to lifetime. Is there anybody going from lifetime to lifetime? No, there isn't anyone. It's the illusion of someone doing it. That's what's going. The illusion. Find out now before this body-mind goes away. You hear me say this over and over again because I, I'm old and I'm probably thinking about that a lot. God, what if I'm not here tomorrow? Then what will I do? I see a few people smiling. So, yeah, I wouldn't take it too seriously. I don't do much right now, so I won't be missed. That being said, what, what is my basic message here? My basic message is train your mind, whether I'm here today or gone tomorrow, or, or whether I know or whether I don't know, or whether you believe what I'm saying or just believe what I'm saying. I'm only saying one thing, and I'm turning it all over to you here. You can have all of it. Train your mind. We'll take another step. 
Don't think another thought. Don't eat another uh, some more without training your mind. Find out who you are. This doesn't mean you can't have fun and do other things, do all kinds of things. I'm not trying to stop anything. It's an ancient form of this because they were so, human beings were so terrified by their, their, their situation of not knowing what this was. They went into intense kinds of uh, almost militaristic, macho kind of training, you know, fasting forever, never eating anything, trying to starve themselves. Even, there's even sculptures of the Buddha where he's all, his, the six years that he spent the, with, the, with the other uh, ascetics, there's five of them. Finally, he broke away from them. And it's not that that's wrong, because without that, causes and conditions, we wouldn't have this situation. So apparently, there wasn't anything to correct. He needed to go through what he went through so that he could teach, so that he could present the dharma of everything is dependently arisen, that everything is in a state of distress, that if it's alive, then it's this nerve endings, difficult, don't have to get rid of it. If you have questions, I'd be happy to respond to them. Hold on, Bowen. Okay, right. Is sitting the only way to train your mind? No, no, it's a way. More if you have it, come and get me. <laughs> So um, it seems like here sitting is the main practice. So when when we're um, studying and um, doing forms and interacting, are we also training our mind? Yes. And, it, and it's a different level, a different area for each person. And each person, the way they're working with their mind is is different. Or uh, different combinations of the simple idea of uh, passion, aggression, and ignorance, but there's all kinds of areas of it. Some areas where what is really emphasized in a particular person's consciousness is, uh, is ignorance. Right? Another one uh, might be more passion or more aggression or all the other things that show up. Pride, shame, um, jealousy, and, uh, different nuance of the same situation, pushing, pulling, and shutting down. But the mind training uh, needs to be done at the way I see it. Having looked at this for a while, uh, the way I see it, there needs to be some time where you're just sharpening the awareness to see clearly. And that means watch what moves, which is called shikantaza or meditation practice, awareness practice. But then also interacting with sangha is very important. Interacting with other people who are also training their minds to do this because they're Anybody who's on this path is, has an intention to see more clearly. They might not be doing a great job. Their particular karma might be taking them through, a, uh, through some kind of a hell realm. Some people have different kinds of karma. The interesting thing about the Sangha is that it includes, include. So unless you are, unless you, you're a Dharma teacher, you don't have to train other your Dharma brothers and sisters, don't train them. Just being around you is enough training. You don't have to tell them. Leave that up to the person who shows up as the teacher, if anything is to be pointed out. And then, <laughs> you 
you had a further question? Oh, uh, yeah. Are you done? You never say that to a teacher. Oh. Are you done? At least say it more sarcastically. Okay. Did I miss answering your question or? Well, no, but I had more, but I was trying to wait. Oh, you well, you didn't succeed, did you? No. Nope. You said, are you done? Yeah, I'm done, go ahead. Now I forget. Uh, that sounds like me. <laughs> I get no. to do that. You're too young. Is it possible to train your mind um, doing everyday activities outside of the formal forms? I, I doubt it. I'm not saying it can't be done, but if it happens in that way, it's probably because of the activity that was done in a, an apparent other lifetime. It's pretty hard to do, to just live and do this. I'm not saying it can't be done, but it's unlikely. Unlikely. Even the person who goes off into the woods and, and decides they're going to train their mind all by themselves, the very, the very nature of what they're doing is to separate themselves. So a little bit of separation is good. I think just walking away from a group of people, sit down, face the wall, that's that's enough. When you get up, then you should be able to talk to them or hang out with them or visit or whatever. So more, please. If you have something specific about uh, mind training. I was just thinking of, you know, something like you do every day while you're brushing your teeth. Is there anything, you know, if if life is limited and there's only so much time to practice, we do it when we're doing ordinary things. I don't recommend that someone try to be more mindful as they're brushing their teeth, even though a lot of people teach that. Uh, there's even the practice of, uh, of scanning the body and watching every little tiny movement. It may give the consciousness, which thinks it's somebody, uh, a credential of feeling like you're becoming more and more aware. Have you noticed that? you think you're becoming more and more aware if any of that is happening uh just keep watching it because it will fade the very nature of that situation is won't last so at the same time i'm saying this i'm saying if you if you want to try to be more aware of brushing your teeth and you know you can go ahead i don't particularly teach that although it has been taught that in actually in zen monasteries Perhaps that's where you're coming from in that, because there's at, there's protocols for it for monks and monasteries to do everything by the numbers. It's a very military, and it's a very macho, and it's about men controlling things, if I may say so, being an old man and having been in a really intense form of military. Not good and not, not helpful to people. Further question is good if you had it. Nice, Obama. Are you guys teaming up? Not intentionally. <laughs> well, if it's not intentionally, then we're good. Go ahead. Um, how necessary are friends outside of Sangha? Um, and well, I understand your question, but I think it's very situational. I mean, some people that might that might be if you use the word necessary, I don't think anything is totally necessary that way. But there there could be some of that going on. Um, and there's all different levels of Sangha. There are people who are, are may meditate. There are people who are, seem to be more clear than you have one person next to you that meditates all the time, and they're very difficult to talk to or relate to. They don't maybe realize it because they're probably blaming you for what's going on. 
but meditates a lot and a lot. And another person who never meditates, but they're just a real easygoing, friendly, kind, um, considerate person. So that that situation shows up. And as far as uh, friends, um, you know, the we gave a talk not too long ago about the difference not too long ago about the different kinds of friends, the friends where, where it's kind of a trade-off is I'll, I won't point out your faults and I'll be really nice to you if you don't point out my faults. It's kind of a trade-off. But the spiritual friend is not particularly going to buy into your baloney. They also might just watch you for four or five years before they lop your head off. And I don't mean literally lop your head off. They might come in after that aspect of your mind that thinks it's somebody who's so uh, sure of themselves. More about that if you have it, especially in the area of friendship. Thanks for allowing. Um, I guess I was thinking more in the completely secular sense. Um, completely outside of community. Um, I don't think it's necessary, but if someone came along and said, you know, I really like to hang out with these guys down at the, the corner pool hall or the people at the library, or there's a bunch of people that meet to do quilting or something. I mean, some kind of a, wouldn't have to be an organization, a next door neighbor, someone that you knew from, from, uh, from college or, grade school or something that you still hang out with. That's, I don't think that would be something you would avoid particularly. So I think it's, I think it's very situational in that, in that regard. The, the best, uh, the most helpful to the spiritual path would be other people who are practicing, including the teacher. The teacher is also part of Sangha. Further questions? Tisho. Tisho Bai. Uh, so on the sitting practice, uh, there are two statements you guide us with. One is consciousness finds its own form. And then you also say that awareness finds the form that moves. What is the relationship between awareness and consciousness? Awareness has kind of a personality to it and has a, a, an aspect of identity that I, I'm being aware and I'm, I'm being aware and things are moving and I'm endeavoring to keep it as minimalist as possible and just be aware of the movement of thoughts coming and going and emotions and, and be aware that things are fading out and I'm falling asleep and then be aware that that uh, there are thoughts arising that are saying, I need to get more sleep or I shouldn't be falling asleep because I got plenty of sleep. So I shouldn't be, is it right? To, I'll have to ask uh, Hocus Pocus or whatever his name is, if it's okay to fall asleep on the cushion. I mean, it's just on and on, this is awareness. And then uh, consciousness finding its own form that does not have, uh, is, is neither subjective nor is it objective. It's a, it's a, a relative way of talking about what, um, that um, that aspect of consciousness that still has some kind of a fabrication to it. There's some kind of a, a formal situation happening there, but it's not something that is particularly directed. It's just, that's why I say it that way. Consciousness finds its own form and it might be in the form of a terrible situation. 
because and it's doing that because of dependent origination. When I say because, that anything that is finding something is doing it because of uh, of other causes and conditions that arise that have, that create that apparent singularity of discovering something or finding something, and eventually uh, consciousness or wisdom. Uh, just finds wisdom. It doesn't find anything else. Uh, this is a way of talking about it. You know, she show it's, it's that, you know, what are we going to do? You know, you've, you've been reading on this material all of your life as I have. We find all kinds of concepts and sometimes we run into a set of concepts that are pretty good and worth looking at. Like uh, the, the, the 30 verses of Asadandru, uh, you know, those are, th- are some of the slogans and Teach the seven points of mind training, or the words of Dogen Zenji, and we, we, you know, that's that's a good area to. We might find an area that seems to to point to uh, an aspect of consciousness that is very difficult to kind of get get our our um, the, whatever that is that feels like understanding into it. So we continue to return to that, and that's what that particular tenet is about. Is is to to help you to go in a direction where there isn't much, you don't find much there. So it's, it's actually opening, uh, the idea of opening the mind uh, without really opening anything, but discovering there is an aspect of consciousness that doesn't have any shape to it. Doesn't have any, there's no form there. So when I say it finds its own form, relatively, it could be finding anger, passion, aggression, ignorance. And if you do nothing with it, then you're actually, my way of saying it, you're actually training them, your mind to be very, very definite, precise, and direct. Because even what it's finding is not so good, because that's probably on this on the spiritual path, it's probably going to run into a, a lot of bumps and lumps and and uh, difficult passages, depending on the karma that brought you into this uh, uh, human realm in the first place or in the last place. Here we are. We're all here. There's some kind of presence here happening, and this won't last. This is very temporary. We're all on, the, as they say, on the Titanic, going down. And, and I would say, while you're here, be happy. Pretty hard to do, but you could. And you could also train your mind. And when you have the the negativity that you're having, having that you're having so much difficulty with, you could actually uh, include that. And one of the ways, a traditional way to say it is, as I accept all this negativity that instead of getting rid of it, as I accept all this, give me all the rest of the negativity in the world. I'll let me take it all. A little bit, little bit uh, different than Tonglen practice, which is very deliberate and mechanical using the breath. I think that's uh, uh, not, no argument with Atisha or, Sh- or Shantideva or Pema Chodron or anybody else, but I don't recommend that. And I'm able to recommend that because I practice it a lot. So I know what it is. Well, I didn't do it a lot, quite a bit. So, when you said um, the louder consciousness finds its own form, does awareness find anything? Awareness just receives. Awareness is an aspect of consciousness that, like, uh, like if I move, uh, there's some kind of movement. Like I can move my awareness from the color of the mask you're wearing over to my, the movement of my hands, or I can move it through uh, auditory uh, to the sound of the exhaust fan on the other side of the room, or I can move it again through sight to watch uh, Onyo's pencil 
move or my own uh, hands move. And I'm just saying it's, it's everywhere. And what we do with the awareness is we, we tend to, we localize it somewhat. So if something's moving, what I say is uh, if you're sitting still, you, all of your senses are open and there's nothing actually physically moving in front of you. That's why we use a wall because a wall is so sacred. Sit down, hold still, and then watch what begins to move in any of the sense fields. And that that movement, watching the movement move away and come back and show up and rotate or whatever, by doing that, the awareness itself, that aspect of the consciousness that normally is uh, ushering in and out thoughts and feelings and emotions and judgments and evaluations, and it's just totally uh, in, in cahoots with the thinking process. The, 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 the thinking process has all kinds of... Uh, pockets and baggage and everything and it just loads it up full of awareness whereas this is this is about sitting down putting down your bags and allowing that awareness to arise on its own and so it's, it's too early for consciousness to find its own form in terms of your understanding of it but it's always doing that it's just we don't, don't see it because we, we're shut down we're shutting it out we're protecting ourselves from um to to protect the uh self-centeredness more. Is it awareness that sees consciousness finding its own form? I don't think so. I don't know what does that. It's more, it's more distant than awareness because awareness is the way I talk about awareness. It's about the object that's arising in the awareness so that you can begin to see that awareness is more like an open dimension or open space. So uh, just like consciousness, it's interesting that consciousness is not something, and yet you can move it as if it were something. It has it has a uh, 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 kind of a feeling of being something. Like if I move my awareness from my visual perception, I'm looking at the green color of your mask. If I, even though my eyes aren't moving, if I take my awareness and 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 change the focus of that or, or the the, what is the receiving end of the awareness over to auditory, then I hear the fan. Uh, and when I do that, uh, I know I also am aware that my, my uh, registering the presence of the mask color goes sinks down. Just like everything else. If you, anytime you start to focus on one thing, you tend to ignore everything else. So focusing is a, Situationally, is going to need to occur, but it doesn't doesn't have to be employed all the time as some kind of uh, lockdown on something. Other questions? Was on going. Could we hear um, Sokwen's question again? Uh, I tried to get her to speak up, but she just shook her head no. Can you remember what your question is? Um, Yell. The first one was about what kind of can you hear her? Finds. Can you hear her? Um, because I'm going, I can hear. I was just curious about her question, it was kind of complicated but interesting. So I was wondering what well, then that you was. should be able to remember it yourself. It was that interesting. <laughs> can you can you paraphrase it a little bit for the first one was about what, um. Awareness finds. Is awareness find something? Awareness finds something. She's asking about that. And then uh, I don't remember my second question. 
Oh, it was whether what if awareness sees consciousness finding its own form. No, yeah. If awareness uh, sees consciousness finding its own form, and I said no. Juju. Question from Josh in Kalamazoo. Okay. What is mind training versus responsibility? For example, having to serve children or family. What is the contrast between mind training versus service? Again, I, I'm probably getting tired of hearing me say that. Say this, but it's very situational. Some people uh, really need to pay attention to their to the service situation that, that you're bringing up. I don't know what that is. If I were to know more about it, I might be able to say, you know, maybe give you some more helpful feedback. But less is better, uh, unless it comes to, to meditating or training your mind. But that doesn't mean you can't take care of children or whatever the obligation may be, unless it's 24-7. You can't, then I don't even know how you can even come to this Dharma talk. You're that busy. But find some time. Sometimes uh, it's different with each person. Some Sometimes if a person just sits for five or ten minutes a day, that's probably enough. For someone else, they really need to sit a lot longer than that. And it's not, if you sit ten minutes and somebody else sits for three hours, your ten minutes might be doing more to sharpen your awareness than the person who's sitting for for several hours, and I, I don't say that uh, uh, I don't say that the person who is sitting for several hours is doing something wrong, and the person who's sitting for ten minutes is doing something extremely right. It's just that you can't find the you can't find the parts and pieces of all of that situation. It's dependently arisen. The only thing you can do if you if you hear what I'm saying and it resonates at all with you, it may or may not. I'm not here to promote it, other than saying I think it's a good idea to train your mind. And so therefore. And Josh, and so in Josh, in your situation, just sit as much as you can, but don't, if you have obligations or responsibilities uh, with your family or whatever that situation you're seem to be indicating there, maybe that, maybe that would come first. Maybe you should do that, or maybe you could find a way to divide it up. So you do that for three days and maybe take a day off and practice or study or something. There's always a way to do it. You don't have to move into a monastery. From my point of view, as some of you have heard me say, I think everybody ought to live in a monastery. Everybody ought to meditate, train their mind, but unlikely that that's going to happen. But if you can't be here, then and maybe you don't need to be here. Maybe you just need to uh, stay home. So, so different with each person. And, I, and I, I mean this when I say this. I say, don't do anything unless you have to. And that means meditate also. I'm not saying you should, if you don't, if you say, I don't want to meditate. I don't have to meditate. Well, then don't meditate. I don't mean to be sarcastic about it, but it, I, I mean that. That's I'm ser- I'm, I am sincere about that. If you want to train your mind, I'll help you. If you don't, then you're, I'm sure you're good. Your karma is going to come around. You're going to have plenty of chances, lifetime after lifetime. Do I know that? Don't believe a word I say. Don't believe any of it. I don't know anything. Notice how I kind of brag, how I don't know anything. What's that about? What's that about? What is happening over here? Can you tell? Does this look like a, a sage or a fool? I know you have an opinion, but your opinion is not what this is. I can tell you what this is without any without any, any credentials or any claim or anything, without this robe 
without this zendo, without anything. They're not separate. It's not separate. Whatever it is, it's not separate. And it's not going to last a lot longer, whatever it is. And, and it's not a problem. While, while this is here, I'm going to talk. When it's gone, I guess I won't talk anymore. Any questions? Christina Bowing. Um, sometimes we use ego for brown, you know, to have something to hold on to. And as that starts to thin out, perhaps in one instance, it might get skinnier and seem to disappear. What are we? What What is the ground? when the ego seems to pop, Christina Bowen. Well, the, the ground can show up in different ways. The way I teach it is it's not separate. And the ego the ego uh, might seem to be dwindling away, but that's an illusion. Ego doesn't go anywhere. Ego's unreal. So you don't have to get rid of your ego. Just like you don't have to get rid of a, of a cloud or of a dust moat. They have a reality to them because they take up, in the case of ego, it takes up a psychological kind of space. But but it's un, it's substantially, it doesn't have any substantiality. It's not dependable. It, it, it needs some kind of artificial nutrition to keep it fluffed up. It needs to be complimented or criticized. Sometimes we, sometimes we get more um, out of, so somebody going to war, we, we are so ashamed of who we are that the only way we can we can get anything is to act really bold and brave and proud and then get a, other people to criticize us. And that way, that criticism, that's what fuels the, the hidden aspect of ego that is so ashamed and so fearful. And that way, the, the conscious area of the ego uh, just lives in the illusion of being superior to everyone. But deep in that consciousness, if you want to look at it that way, the intense fear. And that that being will do anything to protect that imaginary self. One more question. Uh, I have a well, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Christina. Now I'll get uh Giazan's after I respond to yours. Go ahead. Is, is the ego comprised of the five skandhas? The, the five skandhas of form, feeling, perception, concept of the thinking process, and the six sense fields and their objects, which are the five skandhas, get together and hang on to each other and reinforce each other and create the illusion of a self. But if you if you see that there is no self, there's no solid self in the skandhas, the skandhas don't go away. They just become, uh, you could say, self-existing or in independent. Form is form, fine. Feeling is feeling, fine. Albeit very intense. Perception is perception. Thinking process, uh, there's no thinker. The thinking process is finally liberated from the tyranny of a thinker. That way you get to think anything in any direction. And if there's any uh, little bit of ego there, uh, it can get terrified by what runs through the mind stream because he thinks it, he, she, they think there's somebody that's thinking that. So you, there's no thought such as someone who's clear. Every thought is welcome. 
because they no longer belong to anybody. That doesn't mean there's a someone who's reading your mind, but if you're standing in front of someone who is clear, they don't need to read your mind. They can see what you're up to. So the idea there is to See what is true for yourself. Just because a person is able to see that you're attached to yourself in some way, if you don't give that permission, person permission to help you, even if they're your teacher, if you don't give really give them permission, they'll they'll just wait and wait until you're ready for some actual feedback. I know I had a couple of teachers like that. Thank you. Thank you, Christina. Go ahead. When we see the thought that we know what's wrong with somebody else, is that pointing us to something in ourselves? Probably a little bit. It's probably where you're able to see it. There's some kind of reflection going on there. But it also could just be some insight, very simply, but it could be just some insight into the way someone is uh, uh, has a lot of pride or someone uh, has a lot of has, has low uh, a low opinion of themselves or something, and and, it's, and if anything changes around or anything gets out a little bit out of balance, they tend to blame themselves more. And, and the, either way, the, if you're the person may see it, they may not, but you might see that and watch it, but not really have you're not in a position where you can say anything that would be helpful. But even saying something about that before the person's ready to see it themselves. They have to see it themselves. Even the teaching person can point directly at it. And if, if the, the student person is not ready to really receive those teachings, they'll, they'll hide out from it. I know I, I've done it. I've done it. I have vivid memories of walking right away from the teachings because I was just terrified. On the one hand, I was, uh, was terrified. Uh, on the other hand, I was very lucky to meet such a person. couple of them. Further questions? Joe Spine? Oh, go ahead. Joyce, you have a question? Joyce Spine? Uh, you often talking about no separation, and I'm just trying to see if I understand properly uh, my interpretation or my I would think that word was connected so like I would say I connect to the mountain I have been I connect to the plants in my yards I connect to my parents both pass away I connect to you all of you in the sangha I connect to the stones and the rocks is that one way to say it's no separation, or it's this just too superficial. Well, since you give me an either or, I'm going to pick one. Ready? Super, oh. Superficial. The, okay. the, the fundamental, and when I say superficial, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying, yeah, that, that we are connected. We are connected. But, uh, the, but to express it that way is to say there's some kind of individual that is connected to other individuals. And it's more radical root. It goes to the root. It's more radical than that. The understanding, the perception 
blows right through the, the layers of your skin, the rocks, the carpeting, the sky, everything. There's no longer a separate thing anywhere. You can't, you, you're, you can't even hardly recognize a sky separate from the ground. You can't see one person as separate from another person. And yet at the same time, almost magically, you see the differences between people and you respect them. Respect comes out of seeing the truth. It doesn't come out of following rules or laws or obeying uh, where the walls and barriers are put up. Very difficult uh, situation, just like if you read our uh, ethics in, our, in this uh, monastery, the way they were set up by our Sangha, not by me, by the Sangha when I requested that they do that, set up a structure, a ethical structure. It's about awareness and it's about respecting others, not about manipulating them and getting them to obey laws and rules. It's actually, you're actually talking to adults rather than unruly children. So the idea of not separate, you know, what you're saying there, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a good, a good way to start. You could say, but you have to go a little bit deeper than that. You could say it that way, say that they're fundamentally even beyond our humanity, beyond uh, the, the uh, uh, granite, chunk of granite beyond the palm tree, beyond uh, the waves in the ocean, beyond that. And together with that, they're not separate. The waves in the ocean is an expression of, of a relative truth and ultimate truth. The palm tree is an expression. They, they're just showing up in different ways. But the, the hierarchy is a uh, uh, hierarchy hierarchy is there, but it, the most important aspect of seeing that is this, it is not separate. And not for you or for anyone else, you can actually see this. You can see it. I'm not saying it's haunting you all the time, not separate, not separate, not separate. Oh my God, where's my eggs? Everything looks like the same thing. Uh, it isn't some kind of stupidity or craziness. You, you don't, as a trunk room would say, said uh, awakening or enlightenment might be a profound and vast change uh, in your in your psyche, your way of working with the world, but it doesn't require an enlightenment ward. I don't know where he said that, maybe in cutting through or something. It doesn't require that you be taken care of. It's, it's much more intelligent than that, but there's no one who is intelligent. There's no being who is more intelligent than anyone else's. Thank you for the question. And thank you for helping me with it. Laura Bowie. Laura, go ahead. If there's no indiv individual being here, my question is who or what gets me to the cushion? And is it dependently arisen or can we increase energy around it? Bowie. Uh, I think it's I think it's both. It's dependently arisen, and you can also encourage yourself it's uh the fancy word for it would be uh, a couple of words would be relative bodhicitta in other words the relative idea that things could actually be balanced and sane the possibility of that it's relative things could could be more there could be more equanimity there could be more fairness among human beings and above everything in the trees plants animals the world it could be it could be a better situation relatively but ultimate bodhicitta is, uh, or the mind of awakening, is to see that nothing needs to be done. That it's already the case. That it's already uh, the great perfection. And if you see that, this doesn't mean you won't 
struggle with this or struggle with that or be irritated about getting a flat tire. It doesn't mean that relative truth has gone away. It's just seen in the context of the great perfection. Uh, as your emotions are, as a reaction to someone taking your parking place or, or uh, running your keys uh, down the side of your car, which occasionally happens to people because people are so terribly bored that they just want to destroy something and they want to hurt somebody. But, but if that happens to you, and it's not that that isn't aggravating or irritating, but you see it in, you see it in a, in a, in a you know, to not to be too romantic about it, but you see it in a great cosmic mirror. It's the, the tiniest thing is not separate from, from Andromeda, from uh, the whole galaxies. Separated? Yes. Thank you, Sophazan. Thank you for the question. Susan. Is relative bodhicitta confusion? I think relative bodhicitta is looking at the confusion and, and working with it in a way that, that doesn't add to it or make it any worse uh, and could uh, relatively make uh, provide a better platform for us to continue on the path. The whole, uh, the Atisha's seven points of mind training, there's a whole what, 59 slogans in there. Some of them are absolute bodhicitta, some are relative. Of the, one of them is, of the two, keep the principal witness. Of the two, me and and those guys, trust yourself. Don't believe it, but trust uh, your own perception of things rather than others or other people or other ideas and opinions. And then that would be a relative one. And then an ultimate one would be uh, treat all dharmas as dreams. Or the other one, other way of saying it is a, a remain a child of illusion. So everything you see is illusory. Actually work with that. Say, look at everything that's so solid and see this is an illusion. So difficult. It's a slogan. It's meant to support you and help you. It won't do it for you. More? It seems like that thinking things could be better could slip really easily into like searching for results or progress. Yeah. So what's the distinction between those two? But you would do that, it's, but it's about being aware of that. So we're, we're, we're going to go into that. We're going to go into that manipulative. In fact, relative bodhicitta is, is about kind of manipulating things uh, in, in, in such a way that we can kind of squeeze out a little bit more balanced situation or have a better uh, practice situation or work more skillfully with the anger of ourselves or others of jealousy. Uh, like it says, one of them is work on the greatest defilements first. So, you know, you might not know what your greatest defilement is, but you, if you continue to meditate, eventually it'll show up. And that defilement may be ignorance. You may be just shutting down on everything. It's my, uh, sometimes people will ask me, what do you, so I what do you think my greatest defilement is? I, and I always think of something extremely helpful, and I say, probably just you asking me that question is one of them. And, and it may be it may be that the person is uh, is tied up in uh, in something uh, like a jealousy or or, or a, a lot of pride over everything, or very or being very defensive. It shows up so many different ways. Quite often, you'll see the you'll see your greatest defilement in the teacher as a projection. 
That's what the teacher is for, to function as a mirror. You too. You were talking about the uh, deep fear yes. that we cover up. Yes. How do we see that fear when the ego just seems to do everything it can to not let us see that? Well, the way in which you're asking me the question, I would just say persist, just persistence, because you're the. Just that you can ask me that question tells me that you're aware of, of that dynamic and you're aware that the ego's doing your, your, you know, and that which is aware of that is not actually stuck to it. You've actually backed away a little bit or you wouldn't be able to ask that kind of a question. So I would say that that's the path quality of your question, that you're actually you're able to delineate that situation in, in the way that it's problematic or difficult or challenging. And I would say that's enough. Just continue to practice, continue to look at that. You could um, you could convert that into, into, into concepts, not for me, not for anyone else to read, but you could write that out to some extent to help uh, use your the force conda or thinking process to get, get you, give you some distance away from something. I wouldn't uh, recommend that to anybody just randomly, but when you describe it that way, then I would say it might be good for you to back into the conceptual area, the actual structural area of it, so that you have a better, uh, clear understanding of what happens when the emotional part of that starts to get overwhelming. And you won't be able to go into the concepts to save yourself from it, but at least you'll have some kind of a structure close by. You follow me a little bit or not? Uh, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to get you out of it, but because the, the process itself is so damn sticky and it's so painful. And so um, it just, it's just seems like we're, it's never going to come to an end. I'm not speaking of yours particularly. I'm talking about my own experiences, but so, and it doesn't have to, nothing has to end. You, what has to be seen is that there's no one having this experience. There's no, there's no, self and there is no other and if you think there is you'll continue to to be at the mercy of the passion aggression and ignorance whereas if you're if you are liberated from the belief in a self and the belief in other then passion aggression and ignorance can do any damn thing they want but they can't find anybody they can't find a, a person whoever who even is concerned whether they continue to live or not you can't threaten that kind of a consciousness because it doesn't it's like um it's like you have foot in both worlds if you're still alive one foot is in in relative truth uh, solid dirt carpeting lights and the other foot is in eternity i'm only using that not as a, a romantic word but just saying it's in a place where there's no time there's no space there's no location and, and the consciousness there's an aspect of consciousness that is already there and and it's still there and you and part of you came into this manifestation <laughs> You left your calling guard behind. Any more? Have a little bit of time. Christina Bowen. Christina. Just 
So sometimes you say it's an illusion. Sometimes you say it doesn't exist. Could you, are those the same thing? Or are they, how, how do those work together? Just, this is just a way of talking about it. It doesn't, the illusion exists in that you can see it's an illusion. So it has an existence. But it, but fundamentally, there there's no there's no density there. So it's so it, it has a quality there, but it's not separate. It's illusory. I mean, we have to use words, so we use them, and it, sometimes it's helpful, and sometimes it's just makes things more vague. Thank you. Thank you. Choo -choo. Question from Shane in Virginia. Shane is still in Virginia. Is hmm. there some kind of mechanism that is trying to keep you from awakening? Is there a way to coax the powers that be to give you a break? Me? All right, let's raise that Shane. Okay. Um, you could, you know, I think it's different with each person, but you could supplicate for that if you want to. And one of the best things you can do, and I'm very biased. I mean, look who you're talking. You're talking to a Buddhist monk. So what am I going to say? Take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. Take refuge in the Buddha as the awakened one, the one who is no longer going to war with anything. And take refuge in, in the truth that the Buddha taught, which is everything is dependently arisen. There's not a solid being anywhere. And take refuge in in his community, the community of people who are trying to understand this teaching and are practicing it according to uh, what he taught. He's not a deity. He's a, he's a dude, an ancient dude, A.D. Actually, it was B.C. <laughs> Sorry. I get entertainment wherever I can find it. So I, that would be the only, I mean, I'm not saying there are other ways, but that would be a way to say, take refuge in the Buddha, take refuge in the Dharma, take refuge in the Sangha, take refuge in the Buddha, take refuge in the Dharma, take refuge in the Sangha. And there are, uh, in ancient Tibet, they they uh, had people do that. Uh, uh, the, the first of the four, uh, four foundation practices of Nundra, or preliminary practices, is 100,000 prostrations where you, the prostrations, and you say that you say, I take refuge in the Buddha, take refuge in the Dharma, take refuge in the Sangha, take refuge in the Guru, take refuge in the Buddha, take refuge in the Dharma, take refuge in the Sangha, take refuge in the Guru, take refuge in the Buddha. You say that over and over and over and over and over and over and over, way more than 100,000, because you say it faster than than you're doing the prostration. Does that work? I don't know if it works. I did them. Nothing much happened after I did them. I did them anyway. And then I went to the next one. I did all of those. And then I went to the next one. I did all of those. Does that work? I don't know. It works or not. Maybe. The, what seems to work to me, what is important, what I could say promote to people who are asked me the question is to sit down, hold still, and watch the insanity. Don't get rid of it. You need that insanity. How are you going to help other insane people if you've gotten rid of your own insanity? You don't have to get rid of anything. To see that there was no one there in the first place. Assuming you're in the first place. 
Oh, no, you have a question. Yeah. When you started the talk, you talked, uh, you mentioned, um, Yeah. Uh, well, it, it was the I think it's the process of um, the ego subsistence. So when we begin that, is there an it, it, an expectation that something will change by yeah. by yeah. sitting sitting looking oh, at the yes. wall? Oh yes. Yeah. What about it? Um, it just, and it's 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 just it's tireless. It's looking for some kind of you know, reason to keep meditating. Does that become some kind of a, a goal then? Um, you mean to keep, keep meditating? And to, to, I think it kind of builds on what Shane was just sort of asking is, is it, will it lead to enlightenment? Will it bring our greatest uh, desire into our hands? No guarantee. Ask me a question where I don't have to guarantee anything. Don't look at me that way. <laughs> I'm speechless. I have no more questions. They dissolve. Hmm. So the idea is just to make a make a determination and make this is why we have things like a monastery or like we the reason we take vows or receive vows is because it's just so hard to do this for any length of time without some kind of a strong um, commitment. And, you know, I'm not saying everybody has to do that, but it might. Seems to be necessary to go beyond the, uh, the, the goal situation. Just It's just the path, it's just the path. Ground path and fruition. The ground of the threefold logic of the ground is suffering and difficulty and challenge and fear and the abrasiveness of just being alive, having so much difficulty. And the path is you stumble into the path of the Buddha's Dharma and the Buddha says, uh, life is suffering. You might say, I got that. They, and the cause is you want things to be different. I didn't quite see that. Say more. And the Buddha was happy to oblige. And he says, the Buddha said, you're nuts. <laughs> Probably said it in Pali or something. But the Buddha said, no, you can, this could come to an end. Uh, Four Noble Truths, this could come to an end. And then, then, then you might say, how? How can this come to an end? You say, train, and simply put, just train your mind to see clearly. So it's, a, it's kind of a simple formula, but it's, a, it's vast and profound. And very rarely do human beings actually turn away from their everyday concerns or mundane situations, sit down and watch uh, the dis disturbance that we call self and other, the disturbance that we call me and that stuff. And, and, and we, we break back into the, the chamber of, uh, of uh, I don't know what you call it, the chamber of, uh, of uh, consciousness, which is just this, it's just this. Past and future are extra, something we add on. We, we break back into that. Do it by looking at a wall where not much is happening. And it, it opens up everything. It opens up time and space. And it's not some kind of a 
hocus pocus feeling. It's just, it's just that you don't have any more questions because you see it. What are you looking for? What is this? It's not separate. You see it. Everywhere you look, you see some, you could say at a part, but it's just you see yourself everywhere. You see yourself here and there and there. In others' faces, even a person who's scowling at you and is mad at you. you and you might scowl at them and be mad back because you're, you're not trying to be somebody else anymore. You're all, try, all through trying to fool yourself or fool anybody. And don't misunderstand me when I when I say this, but you you somebody comes and gives you a hard time, you could punch them. You're unlikely, it's very unlikely, but but those kind of emotions are always hanging around looking for somebody, somebody who's mad. Anger is not somebody who is mad; it's anger. Somebody who's mad is somebody who thinks they have anger. There is no being. Don't, don't believe it, but check it out. Check it out. Watch your own mind. Look at your own mind the way you keep creating and creating, like I say, the, the title of a talk, ego subsistence, through little tiny things like little crumbs, like maybe I should uh, do, maybe, uh, well, I don't really believe, little kind of conversations we have that continually provide little tiny networks of me, 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 and my world, my stuff, and my everything. The interesting thing, if you see what this is, if you see it's an illusion, that stuff can come and go. You can have old train loads of ego crumbs. And you won't mind. You can even eat them. You just, you're no longer, you're no longer the imputation of someone else and some other thing is not there. So therefore, the contest is over. The war is over. You may still have really negative feelings. You may not, but you won't. You won't mind. This doesn't mean you won't have negative feelings or feel negative about your negative feelings. It's just, it's just a, a basic freedom, and there's no guarantee of this. I'll take one more if there if there's a question out there in uh, in uh, Zoom land. Zoomology, zoomological dispensation. Maria Bowen, is ego a form of consciousness? Um, yeah. Yeah. If would it make any difference uh, if I answered that in a cartoon voice? I mean, it would affect how it showed up for you. Like if I said, "Yeah," but what if I said? Yeah, it is. That's exactly what it is. Make any difference? Same words. It's unreal. Everything is unreal. And therefore, it seems very, very real. It seems very, very dense. And, and it creates incredible fear and anguish and, and anxiety. So I'm not mocking anything. I'm not saying I'm trying to turn uh, uh, the, the torture in the world uh, into a cartoon. I'm just saying it's it has a reality that is incredibly dense, but you have to see, you have to bring your own, uh, I don't know how it's your own attention, your own awareness into it so that it can begin to breathe, so that the whole situation of your mind is, uh, starts to release its grip, grip on its claustrophobia about there's no room. So, yes, there is. Maria Boeing, 
are other forms of um, consciousness less unreal than ego? But Give me an example. Maria Bowing, um, you know, colors, shapes, whatever we see in front of us, um, our thoughts, ideas, Bowing. Okay, now the question was, are those less, more? Uh, less unreal, less unreal than, than ego, Bowing. I think I think they have. I, I think I'm following a little bit where you're going with it, but I would just say it's just a different frequency, and uh, and and the things that are in, operating in the realm of of uh, uh, sound or vision or any of those other areas, uh, the those areas seem to have a, a kind of a frequency or a kind of um, a tenor to the to them that helps them to be stable at least within that realm. Whereas the thinking process, because of the nature of consciousness, uh, eye consciousness is, you know, you have an eye organ, you have light uh, comes from wherever light bulbs or the sun hits something, bounces off, and then photons, I guess that's what they would call them, come in and they, and then there's a whole network of nerves that pick that up and then uh, turn it all into that uh, interpretation. But that's that's all very affected by the biology that's even seeing that, as we uh, as we know that animals, uh, bees, have a different kind of eye visual structure. So there's a lot of variation happening there. When it comes to the thought patterns or ego or consciousness, that things that are showing up in that way, that that is even more uh, complicated because it doesn't have the the physicality to it, like something in here in this that is localized in this particular realm. So vision, uh, another way of saying it, or maybe it's not another way, but a, a way of elaborating a little bit. If we were in a different realm, uh, vision would operate in a different way. It would still have it. You might even still have uh, um, the, the other uh, sense fields, sense of taste, sense of touch, sense of smell, but but they might resonate in a different different way with a different one might be more powerful than it was say or than it is in this uh, particular realm of uh, of uh, realm of desire the human realm i don't know if i would if i responded to your question i responded it in the way i understood it but maybe i misunderstood it thank you it was helpful Kind of you to say that. Is it a rep? Mm -hmm. okay. Dedicate the merit. Dedicate the merit. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Directions of three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable. 
Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prashtya, Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the Ten Directions and the Three Times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. 